Now, we're on the subject. When do you eulogize somebody? When do you hear a, a eulogy? Where? At a funeral. Is that nice? I've had to be a pastor, and I've, I've, it's hard to do funerals for people you, you never met. I had somebody call me and want to do a funeral for a total stranger. Did I do it? Yeah. I went to the funeral home and did it. You know, what do you do? You, you, how do you eulogize somebody you don't know? A lot of ministers that do that, they eulogize somebody that's been just a horse's butt and try to say good things about them. And I suppose that's all right, I guess, but it's difficult to eulogize somebody and say things about somebody you don't know. But let me propose this to you. Why do we save the eulogy for people when they die? Why do we eulogize and speak all these wonderful things about people when they die? Why can't we do it to their face when they're alive? Right? But we don't do that. We wait till they die. Then we eulogize everybody and and speak a good word. That's what eulogize means, speak a good word. Well, that's what this is what I want you to begin to understand. We need to learn how to bless people now. Not wait till they're dead and send them flowers. <coughs> Excuse me. We are, I was at the that place last night. <coughs> And this gentleman that is, was diagnosed with cancer, of course, he's lost his hair. And, you know, Lisa can relate. She's going through that now. But you're not alone. I got peace in my heart for you. The battle's not yours. It's God's. And I, and I didn't even know the guy was there, and I didn't recognize him. Why? Because his body's ravaged with, with the chemo, and he looked, and we, he stood up, and we said, well, he was here the whole time. We didn't even know it. And I made sure I spoke to him. And, and pastors make people nervous. They just do. That's why I don't run up, walk up to people and say, my name's Pastor Mike. Because then the walls go up and they're not going to talk to me. But he knew I wasn't. You know why I knew him and why he knew me? Because we sat together at ball games when she was playing ball with his daughters. And the man didn't have a lot to say to me and, and, uh, uh, I, I probably made him uncomfortable, but I made sure I gave him a hug, asked him how he was. And then, and then before he, I could even say anything else, he says, I've got to go. I've got to go home and rest. I said, well, go home and rest. I knew he could tell. He didn't want to talk to me. But that's all right. But learn how to bless people now. Don't wait to bless the family when they're gone. I think that's important. I really believe that's important. So, you know, we usually overlook the dearly departed's flaws and honor them with a good word, but it would be so much better if we could do it while they were still breathing. So think of somebody now that you know that could stand a good word spoken to them. Maybe they're on their deathbed. I don't know. Do it. Everyone say, now, now. Now, we've looked at forgiveness. We've talked about forgiveness. We talked about six benefits of blessing those who curse you. It brings completeness or maturity. It'll bring release. It'll bring changed hearts. It'll bring protection. It'll bring freedom. It'll bring blessing to your life. 
Now we're going to go on. We won't get through all these. There's eight key elements of the forgotten blessing, which we talked about Ephraim and Manasseh, remember? We're going to go through that today, and I don't know if we'll get even get through four, but look in your Bibles to Genesis 48. Genesis chapter 48. <clears throat> and so we want to learn how to bless people. Say, I want to learn how to bless people. Learn how to bless your kids, bless your grandkids, amen? Don't let it overwhelm you. It it can be an easy thing. Genesis chapter 48, there's eight key elements of of this blessing I'm about to, you know, give to you. And the first one we find in Genesis 48, let's look at verse 8. Of course, Jacob is dying. He's basically on his deathbed. And he wants to bless his son Joseph and his grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh. So we pick up here in verse 8, it says, Then Israel saw Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, They are my sons whom God has given me in this place. And he said, please bring them to me and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them near him and he kissed them and embraced them. Okay. Now I want you to see, we're going to look at some things here, different aspects of when you bless somebody, what should you do? What should you and I do? Okay, and you might say, well, this just isn't me. Well, just keep an open mind. Will you do that? Don't shut me out. If there's something in here you don't like, well, just say, I I don't agree with that. I don't like that. That's just not me. I can't do that. If 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 that's your natural response, then you're not going to be very good at blessing people. Say, I'm teachable. See, we always pray, Holy Spirit, teach me what I do not see. And then when the pastor gets up to teach you, oh, I don't want that. That's just not me. Well, you're real open to the Holy Ghost, aren't you? Number one, when you learn how to bless someone effectively, it should be a natural, it should be a natural thing and it should be spontaneous. Now, Joseph was near, or not Joseph, but Jacob was nearly blind, was he not? He could probably just, you know, see shadows. But it says here, Israel saw Joseph's son and sons and said, who are these? Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me in this place. Now, what was Jacob's immediate response once he found out that those were his grandsons the scripture said he said please bring them to me please bring them to me and I will bless them it was a spontaneous thing it wasn't well you know I'll come back when I feel better it was bring them to me I will bless them now what do we do as Americans when when we meet somebody, we, the immediate thing is to shake hands. Now, not everybody, even these young people today, you shake hands and it's like a noodle. You're a salesman. You know how to shake a hand. Yeah. 
shake hands. It's just a natural thing. And I'm still geared that way. And, and my boys are that way too. If I've done anything, I've, if I, when I leave this earth, I can know. They know how to open doors for ladies. And they know how to shake a hand. If that's all I've ever done for you, well, at least I've done two things. What's that? What did I teach you? Oh, if you want to know what your wife's going to, your future wife, young men, look at the mother. It's truth. That might scare some of you. I don't know. Kathy's starting to look a little more like her mother and walk like her mother every day. But she sure, sure got a different personality than her mother. She's got her papa's. I don't know if she would have made it if she'd had her mother's personality. Her dad was a fighter. So when you bless somebody, it should be natural. Everyone say natural and spontaneous. Okay. For Jacob, it was as natural as speaking a blessing as it was shaking a hand is for us. All right. Now, don't for the time we don't have, let me read it to you. Proverbs 25, 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in setting of silver. The Message Bible says the right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. I like that. So I want you to understand, listen, you are not going to bless everybody you meet. And if you do, you're an idiot. And they're going to think you're an idiot. Because I've known Christians like that. They think they're just a walking billboard for Jesus wherever they go. And they got to say things and act this way. No, you don't. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. You don't have to do anything. You don't think, oh, God's moved me to do that. I've, I've known people through the years, they use that excuse, God told me or God moved me. No, he didn't. Your flesh did. And when you did say that and when you did act like that, you were making a fool of yourself. It's the truth. Religion does that. And we're not religious at Harvest Church. We're compassionate. We're led by the Spirit. And so, yes, a blessing, when you bless somebody, it should be spontaneous. It should be a natural thing. But make sure, now listen, you're led by the Holy Ghost. Now, when it's your own kids and it's when your grandkids understand, yes, it should be a spontaneous thing. You can do it. You don't need to ask anybody. You need to do it. It's your role and responsibility as a father and a grandfather, as a parent, to bless your kids and grandkids. Nothing wrong with that. But if you're, the Bible says, you know, we should be wise in the way we act towards outsiders. Is that in there? Wise in the way you act toward outsiders. In other words, conduct yourselves with, with, with integrity and character and honor. Loose lips sink ships. Be led by the Spirit of God when, when you feel prompted to, to do something. Okay? Second Peter 
121 says, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy man of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So I'm, I'm laying a groundwork for you as we learn how to speak a blessing to somebody. Always make sure it's natural, spontaneous, and make sure you are led by the Spirit of God. Right? Don't think you need to bless everybody. All right? Number two. Genesis 48 and verse 10. It says, The eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see, and Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them. Now listen. And he embraced them. This is hard for some people because some people are not huggers. I'm not a great hugger. I'll shake hands, but I just I just don't always hug hug everybody. We always years and years ago <laughs> there was a man that was a greeter at a church and he made sure he could hug every woman that came to the door. And I want you to know it wasn't a Holy Ghost hug. It was a fleshly hug, and it was sickening. My wife and I aren't at the top of the list as great huggers. If you want to hug for me, then you better pray to God and have a... In other words, I guess we're more stoic Germans. We're not that emotional. But, you know, I've hugged you in the past, and, you know, I... I had a de- this guy I'm dealing with the, with the cancer. He says, I got to have a hug before I left him. And I hugged him. It was all right. So when you're dealing with someone and you want to bless them, it's, it's something when you hug somebody, it's, it melts their defenses. It, it softens the heart. Amen? Jacob kissed those boys and he embraced them. A loving physical embrace is the partner to verbal blessing. Now, I'll give you some examples. You don't need to turn there. Mark 10, verse 16. When Jesus had the children come and he blessed them, what did he do? He picked them up and he held them. And he blessed him. It's really easy to do that with kids. I got kids run to me all the time and hug me. See, I don't get it at home. So my kids here at church, they hug me. Elaine is very good at hugging. I like that. Jesus would pick them up, embrace them. Then he laid hands on them and he spoke words of blessing over them. Some people might say it's just not my thing, but a warm embrace is an element of blessing that's biblical, natural, and necessary. There's nothing wrong with hugging people. You know, with today's society, men hugging men, it's just taboo. If you do that, you're gay. You can't, you can't hug a man. See what the world does? It's, it's sick. You can show affection. Amen? There's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, a warm embrace can break down an individual's defenses and soften a hardened heart and prepare their heart for a verbal blessing. Look, I do want you to look at this, at Luke 15. Look at Luke 15, another example. Do you remember the story of the prodigal? 
In Luke 15 and verse 20, the parable of the prodigal or the lost son, of course, he, after he comes to himself, he's eat, feeding the pigs these pods and, you know, looking at them and thinking, boy, that, that doesn't look too bad because I don't have anything. And then he just comes to his senses and realizes, I'm going home. And I'll just be a servant in my father's house if I have to, but I'm going home. And verse 20, it says, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a, a, a great way off, his father, what? Saw him. And what did his father have? It says, and had compassion. Everyone say compassion. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So what did the father of the lost son or the prodigal do? He ran towards him, embraced him, kissed him, loved him. See, now you've got to understand something. The Jews and the Italians are both alike. Very emotional, very huggy, very verbal in expressing themselves. And the Jewish people, it's a natural thing for the hugs and the kisses. I told you the story before, and it, it was just, it was, it scarred me for life, but I never forgot it, was my, uh, my Aunt Blanche, who really wasn't my aunt, I don't know what she was, something there in, in the family tree, and I told you before, she was a s- sweet, sweet woman, lived in Lincoln, and her husband owned a grocery store, a neighborhood grocery store, and they also allowed University of Nebraska students, they'd live with them, and and uh, she was a very sophisticated woman. I can always remember she was dressed to the T and had jewelry. And but she, I've, I've told you this story before. She had super big lips before they even had collagen. Big lips. And as a little boy, we had to go visit her. And I knew what was coming. I just knew because the minute we went to Aunt Blanche's house and on Holdridge Street in Lincoln, Nebraska, we'd knock on the door, and there she was, and she was always so elegant and, and smiled. And first thing she'd do is grab me and just plant those wet lips right on me. I never forgot that, you know. And, but there was something about her. That and her watermelon pickles pickles were famous, and she had a grand piano sitting in her living room, so that kind of tells you the kind of person she was. She was a very cultured woman. Never forget at the funeral. The only time I ever saw my father break down was at the funeral, and at the end of the funeral, they, they played the Hallelujah Chorus, and my dad just broke down and wept. But she was a true Christian. But she knew how to kiss. She knew how to kiss, and I'll never forget, as I got older, I remember standing at the foot of her hospital bed. She was nothing but skin and bones, ravaged body, ravaged with cancer. Last breath, you know, dying. And, and, uh, but I'll never forget my Aunt Blanche. But she, she made you feel welcomed, okay? So a warm embrace is so important. And the prodigal's father took the first step in restoring a relationship with his son by hugging him. Now, you're all going to leave today. Pastor starting a new movement here at Harvest Church. We're going to all hug everybody. There's nothing wrong with that. No, you don't need to hug everybody. Amen. Third thing, verse 14, back in Genesis. It says... In Genesis 48, besides the warm embrace, besides the kiss, then Jacob laid hands on 
them. Now, this is an interesting thing. I'm going to quit with this one, and then we'll pick up another time for the rest of it. Because this is, this is critical. Genesis 48, verse 14, it says, Israel stretched out his right hand, laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger. See how God's sovereignty there. Jacob knew, even though the firstborn was there, who got the blessing? It was the other brother. And as he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was firstborn, and he blessed Joseph and said, God, before before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who's fed me all my life long to this day, life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the land, lads, and let my name be upon them, and let the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And did they? Yes, they did. This is the first instance of laying the laying on of hands in the Bible. The first recorded instance. Is it important to lay hands on people? Yes, it is. And if, if you grew up, I grew up a Methodist. How many Methodists? Okay. We Methodists weren't too emotional. We good at singing hymns, but there was no occasion of laying hands on people very rarely. Except you had, she had a a pastor that was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues, Methodist minister. The same time that that Lonnie's dad was a pastor, uh, Methodist pastor, there's a movement in the church. So that was a rarity there. But we grew up, I didn't know anything about laying hands on people. And then you get hooked up with the Pentecostals and they're laying hands on every head they can find. And here again is you just don't bless everybody you come in contact with, and you don't just lay hands on people, all right? You need to be led by the Holy Ghost. And this is, you know, I knew this, but I guess I was, this renewed my mind to the importance of this, of laying on, of the laying on of hands, the Hebrew word that describes the laying on of hands is S-A-M-A-K. It means to press down upon or to lean upon. The person receiving the blessing needed to be able to support the weight of the one imparting the blessing. Now, remember, was Jacob dying? And what did he lean on? His staff. We'll find out in, in Hebrews in a minute here. Rabbis taught that there's much more to the laying on of hands than just randomly sticking your hands on people's heads. To them, now listen, this is what's so important. To them, it is imparting the weight and responsibility required to carry out the words of the blessing. So not only just put your hand on somebody's head and bless them, There's a weighty thing going on. There's an impartation. There's a responsibility that is hooked with that blessing. How many of you remember who Jeff Tadlock was? He's dead. He died. Did you know that? Died of a heart attack not too long ago. Wasn't it just two weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen him for a long time and, and had relationship with him for a long time. I did for a period. Some relationships are for seasons. 
Some friendships are for seasons. Some are for a lifetime. That one was for a season for me. But this is what he told me. I can remember going to his house and praying with him in the basement of his house in Sioux City. And he was, he was a prophet. He had a prophetic gift. But he told me something. When he left Cornerstone Faith Center, he said it was like a weight was removed from his life. And as I was preparing for this message, I was prompted about that because there is a weight and a responsibility that goes with your anointing. I have a responsibility and an anointing upon me for this house, for this church, for this sheepfold. When I'm gone and removed from that, that weight will be lifted. What I'm saying is when you lay hands on people, and I've had, I've had some great men of God and women of God, let's not leave the women out, lay their hands. Kathy and I both have had their hands laid upon our head. I look back and I think Buddy Harrison, Nancy Gray, Kenneth Hagan, Lester Summerall, long gone, been gone and with, to be with Jesus. And they lay their hands on your head. It's not just, just a casual thing. When they do that, yes, the anointing of God comes, but there's a weight and a responsibility imparted with that blessing. So when we lay hands, and I said all that, to say this, I really believe in, in Pentecostal circles, there's, there's nothing, and I don't want to make light of it, but I think we're too quick to lay hands on people. We're too quick just to put our hand on a young person and pray for them. I'm saying all this, if you're going to speak a blessing, it should be a natural thing, it should be spontaneous. But there's a weight and a responsibility that goes with that. Now, one thing, children, it's a different thing. But I'm talking about as you grow older, we can have lines up here and we can lay hands on empty heads. I mean, lay hands on you and believe God and there's nothing wrong with that unless it just becomes a, a tradition. You're just doing it to do it. But when we do it, it's important to remember what's transpiring, what's going on. We lay hands on you, especially if you're a leader. There's a weight and a responsibility tied to that. That's why, you know, Jeff Tadlock says, oh, he says, it's just like a weight. And so when he left Cornerstone and started his own ministry, he says, it's just like a weight has been literally removed from my life. Look at one more scripture and we'll quit. Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Aren't you glad that this preacher doesn't have to give you all 17 different? We can just unhook and hook up another time. It says in in, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 21, By faith Jacob when he was what? Dying. Blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped. Now, I think that's another important aspect. He what? He blessed them and he worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. 
Jacob needed to lean upon his staff in order to stand. He was dying. And when he blessed Joseph's son with one hand on each of his grandsons, the weight of his body would have been transferred to his hands. He was leaning on them. Not only was there a blessing imparted, but also a responsibility to carry out the words of the blessing. I'm going to stop there. I had one more, but I'm going to stop. I want you to understand, yes, we, I do believe, you know, in, in early on in the ministry, it seems like, and I thought about this, we, we, it can be a very dangerous thing to try to get the Holy Ghost to move. Well, I, I'm just, I'm going to make it happen. And this preacher is not one, if anything, I'm going to probably step back. I'm very careful in the, in the hour in which we live. I'm, I want to make sure we're led by the Spirit. And if God calls me to pray for you and lay hands on you, and, and there's nothing, you know, when we lay hands on people for healing, that's a whole different thing. But we're, but we're raising up people to be leaders. It's not just going to be something trivial that we do. Someday I won't be here. Someday... Pastor Brad, I believe, will take over. Then, then the weight will be off me. It'll be on you. I'm going to party after. No, not that. We were at Caleb's fight. He had a fight. And I thank you, everybody, for came, coming up there. But the sad thing was Caleb's opponent got arrested and hauled off in chains before Caleb could fight him. They were waiting for him at the... And, and I was hungry, so I went, I went to, to get the restaurant to get some food, and they said it would be a 30-minute wait. So I, where do I sit? I sat at the bar. No problem with that. Sat at the bar and ordered a Pepsi. Probably looked like a mixed drink because all my people were walking in. There I am, Pastor Kenny looked at me, and he probably said, what's Pastor Mike doing? I'm having a Pepsi sitting in the bar talking to people. I don't know if I, if you should you do that. Why not? Why not? I'm not going to make it. I don't go down to Mel's every day and sit at the bar. I don't do that all the time. So don't take it wrong. But I'm saying, you know, we're, and I thought I had a group of people from our church there to support Caleb. And, you know, and I know it's different. Was it different? I look back once in a while because I want to look at their face. It was pretty mild-mannered compared to Columbus. Wait till you get to Columbus. That's rowdy. See, it's all coming back to not being afraid to be with the sinner. Amen? So we pray for you, lay hands on you. Remember, there's a weight and responsibility to to that. So if you're going to bless somebody, what are some of the aspects I told you this morning? It should be a natural, spontaneous thing. Don't be afraid to embrace. You don't have to kiss them. I had a man once years ago said, can I give you a holy kiss? Standing right there. God, I let him out. I don't know why I did it. Talk about, I'd take Aunt Blanche a hundred times over that. Embrace holy kiss. What else did we learn? Ling, you're going to put your hands on them. And and what's imparted, not only a verbal blessing, but there's a weight and responsibility. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Some of you don't realize 
and maybe you do, how important the local church is. Don't take for granted what you hear, how you can have an opportunity to worship and sow offerings and to give to the poor and be involved in the church. Church is so vital in these last days, people. We need each other. I sat there with our home fellowship group, the older, mature. mature. I don't want to call them senior citizens. They're just older and more mature, except for Larry Nutter. He's, he's hard to handle. Alan had to get on him and tell him to be quiet. And they were <laughs> we need each other. All generations, we need each other. 